Um, yeah, I was standing over there singing, and I thought, you know what's interesting right now is all around the country, which is a good thing in, in some ways, there are tens of thousands, maybe a million, uh, if you add up all the NFL stadiums right now, people are worshiping in a temple. I don't know if you know that, you know, I was in the NFL for 33 years as a chaplain, and it's really a place of worship because, you, know, you know, I was thinking, here I am in Hume Lake, and uh, for 33 seasons, I'd be on an NFL sideline right now, and I would turn around when the Lions score, like once every six weeks, and, you know, in Ford Field, and everybody would be high-fiving, they'd have their hands raised in praise because they, they worship that moment. They live for that moment. Some people can't have a good week if that doesn't happen. And I was looking around this room and I thought, wow, look at us worshiping. Yeah. Seriously, you guys worship. Mm -hmm. I guess California is a place where people go after it. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> way to go. Because I've had guys in my church who are like, yeah, I'm not into the worship singing thing. I'm like, dude, I saw you at the Eagles concert. You were singing every word, standing up. <laughs> it's like you, you, you praise what matters to you, right? And so it was really cool to watch you guys praising God, because what we just did, honestly, I was thinking, man, this is so much more important than being on an NFL sideline. And there of is. Of course, I was on an NFL sideline to reach guys and their wives mm -hmm. for Christ. So it was, it was bigger than that. But. And I feel like every time you leave a conference, you're thinking, I, I want to capture what was on the hill, you know? Yeah. And one of the ways we do that, too, I don't know if you do this, but man, I listen to worship music all day long because the culture is continually trying to disciple us. And so by worshiping, it, you just go vertical, and it keeps your heart and your mind and your home attuned to Jesus. And, I, and I'll just say this. She is not just giving you preacher talk. This is real. I cannot tell you uh, thousands of times, uh, almost every day, every day of the year, I come down. We're empty nesters now, and I walk into the kitchen. And I'll see her going through her one-year Bible for the, what, 16th year in a row. Mm -hmm. And then often, you know, when it's nice in Michigan, which is every once in a while, I'll look out and she's literally on our back deck like this as I walk through the kitchen, just all by herself. That is a discipline of this woman's mm -hmm. life. And, That's you know, amazing. you think the reason we have a great marriage is because of us. It's because of him. Yes. And that kind of rhythm. And I'm telling you, you can leave here and do whatever you want. But if you're not doing that, good luck. But if you're doing that, you have power to actually uh, continue what you're feeling right now because this will go away. But uh, if you stay vertical, it can stay and take your marriage to a place you've always wanted it to be. And it's yeah. really just because we're so needy and broken yeah. <laughs> that I can't do it apart from him. Yeah. And so we're kind of desperate for him. So we're going to start with this crazy story that took place in our life at year 25. And it's... This epic moment that we didn't see coming, but, um, you know, that was going to be our 25th wedding anniversary, and I knew it was a big one, you know, so I'm like, okay, we got to do something special. I got to get her something, and, you know, I thought it'd be really cool if we could go somewhere, and I'm sort of a tightwad. I don't like to spend money, so our anniversary's in May, so like November-ish, maybe October-ish, I started praying, not kidding, on my knees every day for a free trip to Mexico or somewhere, that's where you go when you're Michigan, you just go to Mexico uh, for our anniversary. You know, and I literally said to God, free, because I know God's a big God and he can do that, right? <laughs> and I always tell our people at our church, you should pray specifically, so be specific. So, and she didn't know this. This was just a private deal between me and God, you know, that somehow he would do this. Well, we get to what? I don't know. When was it? January. 
No trips, nothing's happening. I mean, how's this going to happen, right? And, and again, she doesn't know, but I keep praying, I keep praying, and I'm just like, okay, I'm going to have to break down and actually spend money if we're going to make this happen, which <laughs> I was actually thinking, well, we'll just have a nice thing in the backyard. But anyway, um, <laughs> listen to this. I get done preaching one Sunday at our church, and I walk off the stage, and this young couple comes up, and they go, hey, you know, we're, my, I'm Derek, and this is my fiance, Tiffany. We've never met you. We've been here eight years. Always wanted to meet you. Um, but we have a question. I go, yeah, what's that? They go, we're getting married this May uh, in Mexico, and we're wondering if you could do the wedding. We'll fly you and your wife down there for free if you do the wedding. I am not kidding. I literally jumped into his arms. He's like, dude, what was that? I go, yes, I'll do it. I go, you were an answer to prayer. He goes, what are you talking about? I told him the story. There was another pastor right beside me. He goes, hey, hey, no, I'll do it. I go, no, dude, this is mine. You don't understand. I've been praying for this for, you know, months. And so think about this. We got a free trip to an all-inclusive, which we had never been to an oh, all-inclusive. Oh, and Dave is in heaven because he's so tight. You know, you have the little wristband. He's just raving his wristband like, I'll have another one of those. Yeah, it was awesome. So, so we get to, and it's for like a whole week. And it wasn't actually the day of our anniversary, but I think it's okay. It was in May, right? Yeah. Um, and so here's what happens. Um, we see Derek and Tiffany, uh, you know, one day, like the second day, and they're like, so where are you guys? We're like, what do you mean? We, we don't even see you. We're like, we're on our 25th wedding anniversary, dude. Uh, we'll see you at the wedding, you know? And he's like, well, he, and it, it, it's so funny. He goes, well, you know, one of the reasons we wanted you to do it is because all the guys in my wedding party don't go to church, and we thought maybe you could influence them. Like, oh. That's a good idea. There's a vision, you know? <laughs> and so, so they say, you know, tonight there's this, this, this uh, I don't know what they call it, like this big it's a dinner theater, dinner theater yeah. that they have events and dinner every night. And he says, we're all going to be there. Come join us tonight. For the show, because there's a, you guys have probably been to them. We had never been to one. There's a big show, and it's a huge resort, so there's like a thousand people. So we go, and... Uh, these guys that worked the resort started recruiting us. They got to know us at the pool, and they go, hey, we need, we need volunteers for something. We're like, to do what? We're not going to tell you, but okay, we need it's volunteers. It's a little pre-show thing that we need some volunteers. So we said no three or four times. Finally, they said, we, we need one more couple. So we go backstage. There's eight or, eight or nine couples yeah. or something, and we're like, what did we just volunteer for? And everybody goes, we don't know, but we think it's the newlywed game. So Dave. And so is we so, start cheating. Yeah, Dave starts cheating. He goes, let's, let's, let's win this. So let's like, you know, when's our first kiss and when was our first date? And <laughs> so the curtain opens and the MC walks out and he goes, hey, tonight is dance competition night. And we're like, what? Guys, and he goes, these couples are going to dance to different music from around the country, uh, the world, and you're going to vote them off. And the last couple standing gets a grand prize. And we are terrible. We're like, terrible. honestly, this is going to be the most embarrassing thing. We in just the world. can't dance. We like to dance. We're just, I, we're, I don't know. We just can't do it. So they play this music, uh, the waltz. Yeah. So, um, do, do, um, do, do. and we are the first couple voted <laughs> off because we're that bad. They're like, yeah. and so we're walking back to our table. We don't want to be up there anyway. So we're sort of glad. We're walking back to our table, and the MC on the mic goes, Hey, by the way, who are you and where are you from? He just wants to tell them. And we just go, Dave and Ann from Michigan. Everybody starts cheering. So much so that he goes, Oh, do you want them back in? Yeah. And we're they like, had nope. to be a bunch of Michigan people or Midwestern people. Yeah, we must have been their representative. They would be blind to want us back. <laughs> but we couldn't, re I mean, they sort of forced us back, so we're back. 
So now it's at the end of the competition. How many couples are left? Just three two. left. Three left. And they and said, we're one of the three. Now our couples are going to dance one at a time, which one is couple. horrible. One couple at a time. And the, this category will be 60s music acrobatic. And so we're like, what? You know, so I turn to the MC. I go, what do you mean acrobatic? He goes, the more acrobatic you are, the better chance you have of winning the grand prize. And first of all, we're thinking the grand prize is probably another free trip back here. Because <laughs> he kept acting like it was some big deal. And then when he said that, and you know, when, when you're in the final three, and if you saw us play pickleball yesterday, you know, we are a little competitive. So we're like, we're, we're going to win this thing. We have no reason to be here, but we're in the final three. So I turned to Ann. And nobody there knows this but me. She's a gymnast. She's been a gymnast her whole life. She can do aerials and flips and, I'm not kidding, one-arm push-ups. I could back then. Yeah. <laughs> More than any guy in here. I mean, she can do one-arms. It was crazy. So I, le I lean over, and the music's starting. I go, you end this with a one-arm push-up. We win, baby. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so the music starts, and the stage is like, you it's know, a little wider than this. Probably double. I go to the back of the stage because I got nothing. Right? And all I do is this. The whole time, I just like right here, little, little 70s Travolta, you know, uh, Q-tip, you know. That was it. I got nothing. But while I'm doing that, she is, I'm not kidding, sprinting across the stage and going, bam. And the crowd's like, oh, and she goes, bam. I mean, she's killing it. And they're all cheering. I'm like, go, girl. Go, girl. So somehow, we, we can tell the music's coming to an end. And we end up on opposite sides of this huge stage. And we look at each other like, we need to end this well. You so know, I we get, need to do something great. I get this idea, and I just go like this. <laughs> I go like that. So this and big hula hoop circle. And she looks at me like, what? So I do it again, like, look. And I had, have you ever been, I don't know if you have in California, SeaWorld? Where there's Shamu, the big whale, flips through the thing. I just saw her, you know, coming at me. She, I'd get out of the way. She'd flip, you know, do her thing. One arm. I, get, I had it all. I said, like, it was from God. You know, it's like. Mind you, we have like a second. And I'm thinking, I look at that and I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, what's, what's he thinking I'm going to do? And so I keep looking at so it. I kept doing it. like. And I see it like this. Do you guys, do you see the difference? No, no. It yeah. was definitely. Yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, it's like that dirty dancing movie. <laughs> I'm thinking, all right, you don't have to take me here, but you can take me here, and we'll do that. We'll spin. We'll end it. We kill it. We win. And so we look at each other like, got it. <laughs> so in gymnastics, you know that you give 100% or you'll get hurt. So I start running like the vault in the Olympics, right? So I am running as hard as I can. I plant, I go up, ready for him to catch me. I turn around. He's gone. So I smash <laughs> to the ground, barely catching my face. I mean, I literally didn't see it. I was just turned around and I hear this and I'm like, oh no. So, you know, as soon as I heard the sound, I realized, oh, she thought I would, oh no. And the, the crowd is like, oh! <laughs> and I am laying on the ground. I am in so much pain and I'm laughing because I'm thinking, we are the dumbest people <laughs> on the planet, on the planet. Uh, so, I mean, the guys literally run out and the MC looks at me and goes, dude, what were you, what were you doing? And, and he even said, so, you know, anyway, anyway, all you need to know, we won first prize. First prize. And uh, maybe it was sympathy, I don't know, but they gave us first prize. And then we go up to get our grand prize. And I'm not kidding. I was like, okay, what did we win? He goes, you won two 
free T-shirts. <laughs> That's what a we want. A milkshake would have been better. Yeah, a milkshake would have been awesome. But I get home. I, I'm in so much pain that whole time. And uh, I go to the doctor at home, and I broke both my wrists. See? They have sympathy for me. <laughs> I'm just, so, I, I am an idiot. I'm in cast. I'm in cast. And, um, yeah, we go to church, and she's got two casts. Everybody's like, how was your vacation? Well, you know. <laughs> Dave, Dave dropped me. Didn't go so well. <laughs> but here's the thing, and, and we'll get into this. Dave will have a point, but... <laughs> I'll have a point. <laughs> but Make the real point. This, this is so much like marriage. <laughs> I'm telling you. Because you get married and you think, my spouse is always going to be there. My spouse is always going to catch me. My spouse. And we can go on and on. And the truth is, we drop each other. Dave has dropped me, and I have dropped him a ton. Have, and you all, like, look at you. Your spouse has failed you. It's not what you thought all the time. And it's hard, and you get hurt hurt. But the truth is, is Jesus is always, always, always there to catch you. And you can still get hurt, but he's always there. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. And that keeps me running, you know, because sometimes you're just weary and you're tired and you feel like I'm sick of running. I don't want to, I don't want to leap anymore. But I feel like we have this God that is continually cheering us on. That's why I'm on my knees. Because sometimes you feel like, Lord, I feel like you don't even hear me. Mm. I've been praying the same prayer for 20 years. Mm. But he's always there. He's always with us. And he's always cheering for us. Yeah, and I even think if there's something I would say if I had five minutes with a pre-married couple, that's what I'd tell them. Mm. He's not going to do it. She's not going to do it. And you don't want to tell him that. I want to say it at weddings as a pastor, but that doesn't work on wedding day. It's like, dude, he's a downer. Get somebody that's going to encourage you. But you look at that couple, and they may be in their first or second or young or older, and you know they're thinking. Yeah. And that's a good thing to think, but you got to be real because every married couple sitting at the wedding is going, <laughs> right? That's what we're thinking as married couples. are like, wait till they hit it. They're going to hit it. And it's either going to be this week or next year, but they're going to look at each other and go, what did we do? And nobody's telling them, guess what? It's, you're never going to find it here. And if but, we did, we, would, we wouldn't need Jesus. Yeah. Like one of the things when, when we're hurting, we look up, we go vertical because he's there. Yeah. And so obviously we've been talking about that all weekend, um, but here's what we want to end with. Um, and it's really... My perspective on that story is when I, when I picture that happening again and sprinting, and it's really like the Olympic vault. You see those girls go. I mean, they go. That's what she was like, and that's how she lives life. And so I, I have two words that sort of describe her mentality of how she lives life, and I think it should be our mentality of how we do marriage and ministry and our walk with God, and it's just two words, all in. All in. And I didn't know this, but a couple years ago when Clemson won the national championship, that was their motto for the year, all in. And I just love that motto. It's whatever you do. In fact, Colossians 3.23, when I came to Christ in college, I was a college quarterback on there on a scholarship and it paid for my college. And I had no idea that Christ could apply to athletics. And my mentor said, I got to show you a verse in scripture. And I didn't know the Bible. And he took me to Colossians 3.23. And it's become a life verse. Whatever you do, 
do your work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. He's like, dude, do you understand? As a college athlete, every practice, every film study, every game is an opportunity to give everything you got, not for the university or not for yourself, but for the Lord. You are now playing for him. I used to say that to Detroit Lions players. You're not playing for Detroit. You're not playing for uh, Bill Ford. You're playing for Jesus Christ, and he demands the best you got. You don't do anything halfway, nothing. And so when Ann and I were dating, man, I saw that in her. You know, her dad was my coach, and her brothers were teammates, and she was just an all-in girl. I remember thinking, as we're getting married, I think, I wonder if that will matter in marriage, being all-in. It's everything. You know, so seeing her sprint through and believing, that's, that's how she does life. She doesn't do anything. And so I want to give you that mentality. We want to give you that mentality. As you go home, go all-in. Because here's the thing, and I, I think you know this, but let me remind you, as soon as you walk out these doors, reality is going to hit. It may not be the second you walk out, but somewhere on the drive home, uh, you get in a fight or whatever, or you get home, or maybe it's a few days, but reality is different than this, uh, this environment we're in right now. We're sort of in a created environment, which is awesome and beautiful, but that's not the world we live in. And so you need a commitment to say, no matter what happens, I'm all in, because reality is going to hit us right in the face. In fact, I wrote in my notes, reality will challenge you when you get home. You know, it's interesting. Um, when we traveled with our three little boys, we sort of had a thing. We had a minivan, and we had a thing where we don't stop to go to the bathroom. We got boys. Dave, you know? Dave had this thing. Yeah, that was sort of my <laughs> thing. I was always like, we got to beat our last time to get to where we're going. So instead of stopping to go to the bathroom, we had a Maxwell House coffee can in the back. Do you remember right? those? We had a lid on it, so it was, it was sanitized. <laughs> yeah. Some of you are like, <laughs> that makes sense. What? So he said, that makes sense. Yeah, that's how the Wilsons roll. And so, so we're on this trip going to Ohio a couple hours, and <laughs> anyone with kids know the best seat in the car is the driver's seat. Why is that? <laughs> Yeah, you're just driving. Taking care of the kids is hard. And so the kids are asleep, and Dave starts getting sleepy, and he goes, hey, I'm so sleepy. I'm going to take a nap. Do you want to drive? I'm like, yes. (laughs) Put me in that seat. So we pull over the shoulder. We switch seats. I tilt the seat back, and I'm taking a little nap. And as soon as I do, Austin, who was how old? Two. Two years old. Just just potty training. Says, I got to go potty. I got to go potty. And so Ann's like... You know, it's like your job. And so here's the Maxwell coffee can. I'm like, okay, Austin. So, you know, I reached out. Women, you know how, you know, like you need to move fast on this stuff. Dave's like kind of getting his stuff. He's getting, I'm like, oh, dude, you better hurry. You know what? You've never said that before. I guess I was slow. So I pick off the lid and I turn around. He had to go so bad. He's already, you know how little kids, they throw them all the way down. He's standing up. And when I turn, it's already coming. So I turn around, bam, it hits me in the forehead. (laughs) And I catch the rest of it, but man, I think that's where my hair went, but I mean, and she is laughing I, so hard. It is the best. <laughs> it is the best. And I mean, it's just craziness. And you know, we got it under control. Um, but let me ask you something. Is that reality? Yeah, you know, some of you are thinking, if you're idiots and you travel like that with a can. <laughs> They're going to yeah. go back like, this is the dumbest couple that ever. Like, they, they, they drop each other. Yeah. They, yeah. But here's the truth. Something's going to hit you right between your eyes. <laughs> Hopefully not urine when you get home. Yeah. It really is. I remember one time, I'm not kidding, I was literally standing on stage, ending a weekend to remember for Family Life, which is on Sunday morning like this. And my buddy back home, who's watching our house for the weekend, 
texts me. It comes up on my iPad. Said, "Dude, hate to tell you this, but crap is backing up uh, from toilets into your." Uh, laundry, laundry room right now. I'm trying to get under control, but literally you're coming home to crap. <laughs> and I was standing in front of the audience saying, you're going to go home and stuff's going to happen. I'm like, literally, I'm going home to crap and so are you. Um, but anyway, so that's, that's, that's sort of the thought. You're going to walk out of here and you need to make, we're going to say three all-in commitments. Let me add this, too, before you get to that, because we think we're walking into this romance. Like, we think marriage takes place on a romantic balcony. And the truth is, marriage takes place on a battlefield. There is an enemy of our marriages that hates what happened this weekend. He hates if we become one. And so he will do anything in his power to to take all of that away. Yeah, I mean, God has a plan for your marriage, and it's oneness. Mm -hmm. Satan has a plan for your marriage, and it's divorce. And it's that simple, and he will attack. And you, Get ready. some of you have been divorced, and you know, like, that is hard. Like, it's just a hard thing to go through. So here you go. Three commitments. And they're not in the right order. They're actually in reverse order, but I just want to start here. All in for your marriage. All in for your marriage. And I know you're sitting here right now thinking, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I added relationships. If sometimes we talk to singles, or, or relationships could be your family or your kids. But all in for your marriage means this. No matter what happens, honey, I'm not going anywhere. No matter what happens, dude, I am not leaving. And I know it's going to be hard. And I know it's, it's not going to just be an instant magic wand. We go to a marriage thing at Hume Lake and everything works out. No, we got work to do. There is an enemy. He's going to attack. But I just want you to know I'm all in and I'm going to make this thing work. Let's put a little side note on that. And we're assuming, based saying that, that you are in a relationship that, with a good-willed person. If you are being abused physically... That's when you're in a situation that the most loving thing you can do is separate, get safe, get your kids safe, and then work on what's going on. Like sometimes that's really necessary in order to move on. Yeah. I mean, that's a good footnote. And and I didn't say it the other night, but even when you're talking about forgiving someone, if they are continuing to live a lifestyle, sometimes you separate, not to get divorced, but to build reconciliation. Sometimes a separation wakes somebody up. They say, I'm real about this. It's just not unconditional. I am real about this. We We have to take some steps to get real help. But but at the end of the day, it's like, I'm in. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it work. You know, as you heard us Friday night, you heard us talk about Nebraska, our first year of marriage, where, you know, I'm praying to die rather than be married to her. What did we do 41 years ago that put us where we are now? I came across a verse uh, uh, several years ago that I just found very... uh, uh, practical. And it's in the Old Testament, Ezra, a prophet. In fact, I read the whole book of Ezra this morning just to, to read it again. And they're rebuilding the temple. And it says this in Ezra 7.10. It says, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Now look at that for a second, because I thought it's really interesting what Ezra did. He studied the law Because what's that mean? He's in the Word, just like Ann going through the one-year Bible. He's in the Word. This is a daily discipline of his life. He's studying the law, but what's it say next? And do it. (laughs) Think about that. He didn't just study it. He did it. I think the church is full. A lot of people have heard the Word. They're not doers of the Word. And the world's watching. They're like, yeah, you know this stuff, but I don't see any changes in your life. So he didn't just know it. He did it. And then look what he did. He taught it to his neighbors. And I thought, man, that's... That's exactly how your marriage will grow. You get in the word, that's going vertical. You do it, 
and then you share it with others. I tell you, one of the best things you can do to make your marriage better is teach this stuff to other people. I am not kidding. Get some other couples. If you want to get our vertical marriage uh, study, that's a lot of what we've done this weekend. Just get it from Family Life. Invite some couples over. I'm telling you, I don't know if their marriages will be changed, but I guarantee yours will. I can almost guarantee your marriage will be changed because you're studying it, you're trying to do it, and then you're sharing it with others, and you're going to learn it. You're going to get in fights about how to teach it. It's awesome. And then they're going to come to your house, and you're going to feel like, we got to be prepared to do this. And I'm just telling you, And you start out by saying, you guys, we're struggling in our marriage right now. Like, you're super honest, or you're doing great. But we want to learn this stuff, and we're thinking maybe you do too. And why not? Like, why not ask? And here's the amazing thing. We didn't know it then in year one, but that's what we did. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing it for 41 years. And you're thinking, well, you got to do it on a stage or at a church. And no, you don't have to do it like this. We didn't ever see us doing what we're doing right now. But sitting, and we've done this thousands of times, sitting in our family room with our neighbors, unbelieving neighbors, uh, Uh, guy and gal living together, coming into our family room and saying, let's look at God's word and see what it has to say. And it's pretty amazing when you look at where we started and what God has done in 41 years. What is interesting, we were telling somebody the other day uh, just sort of a backstory of how we met. Think about this. I'm dating a girl in college for four years. I'm a junior. I'm thinking we're getting married. We've been in love since my junior in high school, now junior in college. I come to Christ I share Christ with her. She says she's interested, but she really isn't. So every time I go to see her at her campus, she was at another university, we have sex. And my Christian walk just starts going backwards rather than forwards. I thought I'd bring her to Christ. She sort of brought me away from Christ, right? And so, but I'm staying in this relationship and I'm, you know, I'm living two different lives. On the campus, I'm actually speaking as the quarterback, you know, around the campus about Christ. And then I'm living a, 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 a double life. And I'll never forget, I went to surprise her one day and uh, at her university, didn't tell her I was coming. I opened a door to her dorm room and she's in bed with another guy. Literally step and see this. I close the door, get in my car and drive 30 miles to where my home was. My, my mom, my single mom was there. I literally walk in, I'm bawling my eyes out because I'm like, I can't believe she's doing this. I walk in the house. My mom's like, are you okay? I'm like, I can't talk right now. I'll talk in a minute. So I go to my childhood bedroom, close the door. I'll never forget this moment. I walk in. I literally just walked right in, got on my knees, put my hands on the bed, and I said, okay, God, I'm all in. I was playing the game till that moment. I wasn't all in. I had the fake thing going, and so many of us do this. I was not. I would not give him football. I just had surgery on this knee and didn't know if I was going to play my senior year. I would not give him this relationship with this girl. I was like, I'm just going to hold on to that. That's, that's mine. But everything else you got, God, and I realized that's, you, can't do, you can't do the Christian life. You're either all in or you're not. He's not Savior and something else. He's your Lord and your boss and your master or he's nothing. And that was the day I said, God, I am completely all in. If you want my sexual life, you've got it. I'll obey you from now on. I don't know what the future is, but I'll go and do and be anything you want me to be. And you won't believe this, and I know it sounds crazy, but at the end of that prayer, I literally said, there's only one person in this, it was in my hometown, one person I know that's on fire for you, Ann Barron. Because I had sat with her four months earlier in front of her at her high school basketball game, my old high school, her boyfriend was on the court playing, and I heard her share Christ the entire game with a buddy of mine's brother, and she kept tapping me on the shoulder because she heard I'd just come to Christ, and she said, Dave, tell him this, because we knew each other because of our families, and I just was like so struck, I've never seen a woman, a girl, 
on fire for Christ. She's three years younger. She's still in high school. And I remember that. And I thought, she's got a church. She knows some guys are on fire. So I literally prayed, God, bump me into Ann Barron. She can connect me to some people in the city. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I wanted to date her. I did not have that at all. I was pure, baby. I just wanted, she knew some guys. And so that was what I prayed. So that same night that Dave had prayed, I was working. I was a summer job at Whirlpool at a factory shooting screws into dishwasher doors. And I'm, walking, I'm working on this assembly line, and I kind of had that same thing. I'm like, Lord, I'm dating this guy. I feel like I'm living a double life. I want to I serve you for the rest of my life. And so as I'm working, I'm like, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my future. I will go anywhere, do anything, say anything. I want to live all in for you. And my family, none of my family were Christians. I really didn't know any Christians. I was brand new in my faith. And at the end of the prayer, I thought, man, if I could just run into Dave Wilson, it seemed like at that basketball game, he's really living for Jesus. And so at the end of my prayer, I prayed, Jesus, if you could bump me into Dave Wilson, I know he's going to marry that girl, but maybe he could just help point me to some woman that will mentor me. Next morning, I'm driving to go paint my grandma's house with my painting buddy, Greg Mathias, who was our high school kicker. And I told him what I prayed the day before. You know what he said? He goes, you're not supposed to pray for yourself. I learned that in church. I go, I don't know why you're supposed to pray, but that's what I prayed. You know? And so we're driving to my grandma's, and we're going by the high school, and Greg goes, hey, let's go in and see Coach Jones, our high school football coach. I go, dude, no, it's my grandma. We can't be late to grandma's house. We're painting his eyes. He goes, no, 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 let's go. And I go, no, we're not going. Maybe after work, but we're not going in. So we're driving by the high school. Think about it. He literally reaches over and whips the steering wheel. I'm driving. He goes like this. Right at the turn, and I'm like, okay, dude, five minutes. We go in. Hey, Coach Jones, how you doing? We're walking out to the car. Greg's in front of me, and I'm talking to Coach Jones, and I hear Greg go, oh, my God. I'm like, what? He goes, look. And there's Ann hitting a tennis ball with her back to the fence with her mom. I find out later she was in a tennis tournament and needed to get some strokes in, so they popped over to the high school, and there she was. And I literally stand there like, And Greg goes, you know, my guy says you're not supposed to pray for yourself. He goes, dude, you got to say something. (laughs) Anyway, it's a long story. And I just said, hey, so when are we going to play tennis? She turns around and goes, how about tomorrow morning? Nine months later, we were married. Now, the moral of the story is not, hey, if you want a hot chick, pray and you'll meet her the next day. You know, singles hear that, and they go, okay, there's the well, pattern. And some you know? of you are like, we met at a bar and yeah. got married. But, but it's still, you've made vows. And so the, the reason we wanted to say this is really... We've never shared this in this talk, so yeah. you're getting extra credit, and now we're going over. So now we're going to take you... How much you, time we got? 11.45. Oh, look at that. He said We've got okay. five minutes. Five minutes? Yeah, 10. 11.45. So anyway... On our honeymoon night, because we're all in for Jesus, we, before we get in our marriage bed, we get on our knees and we pray a prayer. And and it's in our vertical marriage book. You might have read this, but literally word for word, I prayed out loud, God, we're not asking you for a good marriage. We're asking you for a great marriage that will one day impact the world for your kingdom. Because we knew, at least from the family life we can remember, The vision of marriage is not just that we be happy. God wants to use marriages, Christian marriages, to reveal himself to the world. That's in Ephesians 5 as well. And so we knew that much. So we're like, okay, this isn't just about us. God, could you use us to impact the world? And then you heard about year one. Yeah, think about six months later what happened. And we thought God never heard our prayer. 
And he can't and use us. And then year 10, we think, God never heard our prayer. Yeah, we just thought, there's no way. We are so jacked up. We've done it so wrong. <laughs> he good. uses good couples that do it right. Yeah. And here we are, a testimony to you, never give up. Never underestimate what God can do. I actually, I know this isn't theologically correct, and I've got a master's in divinity, so I know this isn't theologically right, but I, I, I envision when I was on my knees, you know, praying, God, I'll go and do anything you want. I envision Jesus in heaven going, all right, dude, you won't believe what I got planned for you. You know, I'm not sure, it's a, but it might, I'm just waiting for this moment. You're all in, Okay. Let's do this. And then on the other side of Findlay, Ohio, as a, as a young girl praying at a whirlpool, the same thing, God's like, here we go. And here we are. And, and again, we're not saying it's the most amazing thing, but it's like you think God can't use you, God can use you. So go all in in your marriage, okay? And I'm going to do this really quick because I think this is really important to understand. Go all in. There's three of them, and we'll do this second or third really quick. Go all in in your ministry. Now, I'm very delivered about this because I know many of you are sitting there thinking, ministry? I'm not a minister. You guys are ministers. You're a pastor. You know, Jason's a minister. Uh, I'm not a minister. Do you understand if you're a follower of Christ, you're a minister? We had a saying in our church, every member a minister. You're a minister. You have different gifts and skills than I do. You're going to do things. I, you're going to talk to people we would never be able to reach. I used to get jealous at my church. I'd say to businessmen, man, I'm so jealous. You get to go to work and all these non-Christians, and you know, they're like, What? No, you don't want to do that. Yeah, I want to do that. That's where I want to live. I want to be the light in the middle of darkness. I hang around Christians all day. You know, nobody does anything wrong. It's just perfect, you know. <laughs> and again, I'm sort of, you know, being facetious, but it's like, man, you get to be the light. And, I, and I'll read you a passage that uh, I'm guessing you've heard before, but I don't know if you've ever heard what, what it means. It's Jesus in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 where he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. Who's he talking to? His disciples. And he's saying, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, what's fascinating about this is think about this. Jesus initially said, I am the light. Now he's saying, you are the light. He's setting them up with strategy to say, you don't understand all this, but I'm going away, but I'm placing my light in you, so now you are going to be me to be a city set on a hill, which really interesting. I didn't know this till maybe 20 years ago. The Greek for a city set on a hill literally means a city strategically placed on a hill. And then when you do a little study, what that means is they had city planners just like we do today, and they would put cities strategically placed on hills so people in the darkness in the valley would see that as a place of safety and refuge, and it would be placed in an area where it would be seen, and they would go to find safety and refuge at that city. So what is Jesus saying? This is powerful stuff. I mean, this blows me away. He is saying to the disciples, do you realize you are strategically placed by me? to be a light to people in darkness? And what's he saying to you and me? He's saying to any disciple of God, do you understand? I strategically place you 
in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your, your kids are on this, this, this soccer team. I'm placing you around these other parents. You're the light in their darkness. Now, they're, 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 they're acting like they don't want light, but they are looking for answers. You are my minister. You're it. You're the light. And here's what we do. We don't understand that. We go to work and say, I hate my jab. I hate the guy on the other side of the cubicle. He looks at porn and drinks every weekend. And God's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. That's why I put you right there. <laughs> that guy on the other side of the cubicle drinks and looks at porn. I love that guy. And why is he doing that? Because he's looking for me. He doesn't know that. But you know. Love him. Shine. You know, it's like, I think he's up there. Like, he brings the angel. He goes, look, look, I put Joe right there. I put Sarah right there. Look at that. See that? Shine. Go shine. And we're like. I don't want to shine. I hate my job. I hate these guys. All I want to do is hang around Christians and, you know, sing Kumbaya. I mean, it's like, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, oh my goodness, do you understand? God has strategically placed you in a neighborhood to maybe invite them into your home and say, hey, we're going to study marriage together. You want to come? I'll bet your couples will say, yeah, I'll do that. Why? Because they're struggling. <laughs> Just like you and they're like, somebody going to like talk about marriage and maybe help us? And you're like, I don't want to bring Jesus into that. Bring him in. Because you are his light to shine, that is it. And one of the sayings that I coined at our church, and I think we put it in the book, that people at Kensington always get sick of me saying, is I always say this, make a dent where you're sent. Make a dent where you're sent. That means make an impact wherever you're sent. And here's what people would always do. They'd always come up to me and go, well, I don't know where I'm sent. I know where you're sent. We know where ministers are sent. They're sent by God. It's a special calling. But I don't have that calling. You know what my answer is? Profound. You ready? Write this down. Make a dent where you're sent. Where am I sent? You are sent where you are. Boom. You're <laughs> like, that's pretty simple. Yeah. Wherever you are is where God is sending you. And trust me, he is sending you just like he's sending us. We're on a stage right now and we write and do that kind of stuff, family life today. Yours is totally different, but it's no different. There is a calling on your life to be sent. I'll tell you one quick story where I first learned this. I'm in college. I'm a brand new Christian. I told you I came to college. Uh, this is college, so good. My junior year, and I get involved in Athletes in Action on the college campus because I'm a football player. And at spring break, they say, hey, we do this, this conference down at Daytona Beach where we go on the beach and we share Christ and you learn how to share your, your faith. And all these college students go there to party we go there to be the light in the middle of darkness. You got to go. I'm like, I'm in. All right. And I've never done this. I'm excited. I'm like, I'm going to learn how to share my faith. And so I go down. My dad, my mom and dad were divorced. He was an airline pilot and he lived in Miami. So I spent a couple days with him. I, I get a car and I'm driving up to Daytona. I don't remember how far it was, but on the drive, listen to this, I pray. And again, I'm brand new. I don't even know how to pray, but I remember praying out loud. I'm like, God, I'm so excited to learn how to share you with others. Um, you know, even if you want to use me on this, this drive, I'll share you with whoever you put in my path. I did not know you don't pray things like that. Because like within a minute, there's a hitchhiker on the side of the road, big dude with a big duffel bag. And I see him and I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to pick him up. And then as I got closer, I saw how big he was. And I remember my mom saying, you never pick up a hitchhiker. So I drove right by. You know, he looks at me and I just drive right by. And I just feel like, I don't know what this is, but it's conviction, right? I don't know how it works, but I just feel like I'm supposed to go back. I almost feel like God's saying, go back. I'm like, I think I got to go back. So I see this turnaround, unauthorized vehicles aren't allowed to do it, but I'm like, I'm doing this for God, so I didn't do it. So I do it, and I do it again, and I'm like, you know, I probably get a ticket, but I'm doing it for God, so I won't get a ticket. I turn around, I'm thinking he's going to be gone, he's still there. So as I pull up, I go, okay, God, I'll share you with this guy. He gets in, throws his thing in the back. I go, hey, man, what's your name? Joe, where are you going? He's going almost the same place I'm going, so we're going to have a couple hours in the car together. And I say, hey, Joe, what are you doing? He goes, I'm a Navy SEAL. I go, what? Because I'm a Navy SEAL, I'm headed to this uh, 
this uh, you base. know military base and blah blah. And as soon as he said he's a Navy SEAL, I got scared. Like I'm not gonna share Christ with a guy. He's so trained. He'd reach over and go, I'm dead. You know, it's like. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, no way, no way. I'm not going to. So we talk about everything in the world, no mention of God. And the whole time, and again, I don't know how it works, but I'm feeling this. I should talk to him about Jesus. And I now know that's the Holy Spirit in my life, but I can't get rid of it. So finally, with like 20 minutes ago, I just finally, you know, I didn't even know how to do it. Nobody's taught me this. So I just say, I didn't, I remember, this is my opening line. I go, hey, Joe, do you like ever think about God? <laughs> that was my line. And I'll never forget. Almost word for word, he goes, I can't believe you just asked me that. And then I'm like really scared, like he's mad that asking that. And, and again, I don't show any of that. I just keep driving. I go, so why do you say that? He goes, because uh, I'm an atheist. And I was standing on that highway a minute ago. And my life is such a mess that I looked up at the sky and I said, if you're real, send me one of your followers to tell me about you. I said, what? And he looks and he goes, would that be you? I am not making this. I'm like, uh, that would be me. <laughs> and I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I didn't know how to, sh I didn't know the gospel. I just knew the, your story. the story and what it meant. I shared my testimony. I said, do you want to give your life to Christ? We pulled over. He did. It's the first person I ever led to Christ, like two months after becoming a Christian. And, <laughs> and, and here's why I tell you the story. I've never seen Joe again. He'll walk up to me in heaven one day and go, dude, what happened to your hair, right? It'll be like, <laughs> you know, but, but here's the thing. I learned that day, you listen, God can use anybody. Amen. When he got out of my car, I'm like, God, you want to use me? A guy who did it all wrong was a womanizing, drinking, sins of the father doing exactly like that, You're, you can use, see, I thought God only used perfect little pastor type people, and he uses anyone who will say, I'm all in. Yeah. I'm all in, in my marriage, I'm all in. God, if you want to use our house in our neighborhood, use us. We've, we've done, not done it right, but God, we know the answer, we know it's you, and we will point people to you, we will shine. Mm. And then the last thing I'll say, and I'll just end with this, all in in your marriage, all in in your ministry, finally, all in in your walk with God. And it's just simply this, just pursue him daily. You've heard it enough, we don't need to say it anymore, but man, I would say as a couple, and we put this in our vertical marriage book, if you want to keep this going, pray daily. And maybe you've never done that before. Just make a commitment walking out of here. We're going to pray together each day. And again, you may miss a day or two, and it doesn't need to be 30 minutes. It may be 30 seconds. But just say we're going to pray daily. And I'd say another thing to do that I think would really be helpful if you're not doing it, listen to Family Life Today every day. It's the radio podcast show we do. We bring authors and people in. They're amazing. We get to sit with the most amazing people in the world to give incredible truths. It's on every day. Go to Apple Podcasts. Just listen to it anytime you want. It's a 25-minute show, and it will change your marriage. It's just something God has given you to say, you want to keep this going? Do that daily. I was going to say, too, for those of you who are in second or third marriages, there's another podcast with Family Life by a guy named Ron Deal. Ron Deal, and he has his own podcast and a bunch of books out on helping to blend families with kids. He's so practical. So it's all blended stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So I would just say that. And then the last thing I'll say is this. If you go all in in your marriage, realizing that God really wants you to make a dent where you're sent, and you say, I'm going to make a commitment as a man, husband, dad, as a woman, wife, mom, 
to daily pursue Christ, he's going to show up in your life in a powerful way. And I'm not going to say it's not going to be hard and there aren't going to be dry seasons. We go through them. We all do. But, man, there is a power in God that you and I don't have apart from God, and you have to plug in daily to access that. And then you need the people of God around you to help sharpen you. And I'll just end with this um, because it was so beautiful. We were doing a Family Life Weekend to Remember in Hershey, Pennsylvania, I don't know, five or six years ago. And I was getting up Sunday morning to give the last talk, which is, by the way, all about leaving a legacy. Hmm. And, you know, it's interesting to think I love that talk because the legacy that was handed to me was alcohol and adultery and divorce. And we had a visceral feeling that the Wilson name from now on is a different legacy. And we're not doing it perfectly, but God has given us an opportunity to raise three sons. Who It's just amazing how it's changed. But So I'm, getting, I'm all excited to walk on stage. I'm actually standing on stage, and there's a timer that goes to when we've got to start. It, it said like two and a half minutes, and this guy walks up right here. He goes, hey, dude, rip up these divorce papers. I go, what? He hands me up these divorce papers. I go, what, what are you talking about? You got to rip these up. And I'm looking at the timer, and I'm like, uh, uh, I got to hear this story. So I jump off the stage. I go, tell me your story. And, you know, there's like a 1,000 people there. I had never seen this guy, so I don't know him. And he goes, well, I'll tell you my story real quick. He goes, I came here Friday night, and I told my wife, I'll go Friday night. I'm not going the rest of the weekend. It's a last-ditch effort. I'm only going because, you know, we're getting our divorce finalized on Monday, and you're begging me to go. So I'll go Friday. I don't want to go to some stupid marriage conference to listen to some stupid perfect couple tell us about their perfect marriage and how we can have the same marriage. He goes, so I told her, Friday night's it, and I'm out. He goes, so I sat in the very back. And you and Ann got up there and talked, and you said, I turned to her after your first talk, and I said, wow, our marriage is better than theirs. <laughs> That's what he tells me. And he goes, I'll stay till tomorrow. He goes, and so yesterday, Saturday morning, he said, you got up there, and you shared the gospel and, and invited us to give our life to Christ. He goes, dude, I gave my life to Jesus yesterday morning. I'm a new Christian. He goes, so now we're going home with Jesus. We're doing this thing right. Rip up these divorce papers. And I go... Let's rip them up together. And if I had time, I'd go over and get them. They're in my briefcase. I carry them everywhere I go. And I have a piece of his divorce papers. And I thought, that's the power of God. Yeah. That's what he does. And did you catch the key moment in his story was yesterday morning, I gave my life to Jesus. See, without that, I can offer him little hope with Jesus. They're still going to struggle. I guarantee they got stuff, baggage that we all do that they got to work through, and so do you. But here's the thing. God has met you here, and he'll meet you every second as you walk out of here. So I pray we hear stories back from you. Reach out to us on social media. Just direct messages. Dave Ann Wilson's right there, and we will stay in touch with you, and I hope your marriage becomes a marriage that God uses to impact the corner he's put you on. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the privilege of being invited to be at Hume Lake this weekend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We didn't even know where we were coming. (laughs) And what a weekend to be with these couples and families and legacies that you have touched and are going to touch others through them. So I pray protection over these families. I pray for obedience that you give husbands and wives, mom and dad's power Mm -hmm. to obey you. And I pray for fruit, amazing fruit that will literally change the world. This is the hope 
of changing the world. It's right here in this room. It's us following you and allowing you to use us to impact others. So we give you our lives. We give you our marriages. We give you our legacy and ask you to do what you can do beyond what we can imagine or dream according to the power of God that is within us. Mm -hmm. We thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.